0: Showstopper, written by Operation Technician. And then the battle sort of stopped. Fighting continued, a little. It was a strange sort of pause, without treaty or warning. But no one wanted to attack, or even scout more than necessary. The soldiers would have refused the order to attack, even if the commanders were stupid enough to order it. Inspector Gregg, sent from Defense Command, could not believe his senses. Defense Command subgenerals and mercenary siege fleet admirals smiled at him as he looked around the hilltop, then rushed towards the military leaders of his side. This is treason, he roared. Collusion with the enemy. Just a friendly meeting is all, replied a subgeneral. Gregg glanced at the enemy admirals and continued. I was sent to learn why the fighting had stopped. What is the situation? A duel. Greg glanced at the admiral again. Where? Who's dueling? Everyone pointed. Beyond the hill, a vast lush valley of forests and rivers flooded in between the two endless mountain ridges. Somewhere there. Greg looked and listened. Augmented senses and naturally detailed sensory organs heard everything. The flow of rivers, the chime of reptiles, the screaming of birds. He could hear every animal and omnivore plant in the forest for kilometers. And he knew there was, without any doubt, no one down there. I know, said the sub-general. I couldn't believe it, too, but they are definitely there. Why aren't we counterattacking? This is a prime. We tried. The mercenaries tried. They said that they would take out any attack that dared to interfere with the jewel. And the God, god, they can. No one got past the middle of the forest. Something rang across the forest. The admiral and generals grabbed their sensor amplifiers and began scanning the valley. Greg squinted, straining, trying to figure out where the noise came from. Another echo, this time closer. Both missed. Damn. Two pairs of leaders lowered their amplifiers and returned to their card game. Greg, still disbelieving that something was out there, turned to his side of the leadership. Who's in that? Humans. Human snipers. Dueling. For three weeks? Yeah. And they only had enough food for three days. We counted the bullets and... Well, they used up more than they had, so now we wait for their strangely infinite resources to run out. After that, we get to see a knife fight. And then Greg heard it. Kilometers apart on opposite mountain slopes, two mechanisms clicked, chambering new bullets. Then two bushes shifted ever so slightly and let out a breath. The human motion slowed and froze. Breathing died down. Beating hearts calmed And bushes returned to being just that Bushes Scopes and barrels of Gaul's rifle Shifted by a fraction of a degree Continuing their overview of the terrain The two snipers Continued the search for one another Each hoping for a mistake From the other End of story Story number two Overtime Written by Betty Master It'll be okay It'll be all right, honey. Trish whispered to the toddler and the four-year-old she dragged behind her, her voice tight. She bustled them towards the cellar beneath their settler default home as sirens bled outside. Emergency turret defenses pumped charges into the sky with deafening retorts, painting the atmosphere with splatters of energy as invading dropships were blown from their landing arcs. Other families on the block scurried to their bunkers as the local militia, meaning everyone ready and capable of fighting, took up arms. Those who had none carrying their tools towards the drop points. Mommy, why is it so loud? A crash threw them from their feet. Half their home was sheared off by the debris of a falling dropship. Trish grabbed Danny and threw him clear of the falling debris in an instant then turned and took the brunt of the three-hundred-pound wall support across her back. Without a sound, the child in her arms looked up at her, eyes wide. With a grunt, Trish tore herself from the wreckage and took Danny in her free arm. Sounds of gunfire and yells drifted in through the demolished walls. Trish kicked open the kinked cellar door and bundled in her children, then set down her toddler and snatched the ancient Mark II combat shotgun off the wall where the rest of the gear lay. Dennis hadn't been able to make it home from work before the attack. Where's Daddy? Danny's hand grabbed her leg. She kicked the door closed and threw home the bolt, primed the shotgun, then turned to her children. Danny stood in his little blue coveralls, Delilah wrapped in the blankets that had been in her crib. Daddy's at work, honey. Danny looked around the center, sure. When's he getting home? Trish sat beside them so she could see both them and the door. Well, it depends. He's got a lot to do today. The loud stuff? Trish checked over the action of the old shotgun. Exactly, Danny. The loud stuff. Daddy will be home as soon as he takes care of it but he might not be back for a very long time. Did you hug him this morning? Uh Uh-huh. Good. I'm sure we'll see him soon. Then Trish nudged them both back into the corner of the cellar and sat with her eyes on the door, finger on the hair trigger. Two miles away, humans and aliens alike were falling to the weapons of the other. Since the dawn of mankind, and some experts suggest that this habit would never end, humanity has worked with their hands. Whether it is due to having them and not wanting them to be useless, or due to some psychological necessity, is not known. But what is known is that even with the most advanced labor being automated, some jobs will still need to be done by a guy with a shovel. It was true in the cradle of civilization. It was true when mankind left planet Earth. And it was true here on a gypsy mining colony set in the rings of a gash giant the cut of the profits was larger but the danger greater and though they had known the dangers when they climbed aboard the ships it was another thing to have a home a livelihood and a family under threat yet that was why the humans fought so hard the scesen crawled out of their dropships all wrinkled skin and bloodshot eyes and cobbled together rusty weaponry the fighting was vicious it would have been impossible had the turret system not shot down over half of the invading force even now though the men and women in the flash cultivated field were fighting for their lives one man with a boy who had hugged him early that morning picked up a rifle from the still fingers of someone who had been his friend his eyes lingered for a moment before he dropped to a knee and spent the last energy in the weapon the energy of the fight was dying. The humans were slowly but surely pushing forward, quartering and ending the threat to their lives. One of the monstrous Kesson fought past the lion and sprinted towards the residential block. Dennis took off after it, arms and legs pumping furiously. The monster ran with an unnatural loping gait and intensity, tearing the ground with each step it took. It moved like a starving animal on the hunt for something to rip to shreds. Dennis ran harder, dropping the now useless gun. They entered the residential block, littered with debris and scattered loads of overturned land carts. His heart skipped a beat as the alien leapt into a gap in his home. The man instinctively pulled the 30-pound pry bar from one of the landcarts without missing a step and barged through the front door like a juggernaut. The Scarsen stood before him, slathering drool down its wrinkled, misshapen body. Its eyes were red with animalistic fury, blades red with blood. The creature, yield! You pathetic fleshlings will be consumed as you deserve, but it is the little ones that taste so savory. Where are they? Dennis started to strafe around the alien to get his body between it and the cellar door. He had noticed his movement, then dragged over to the door. It roared. Dennis tightened his grip on the thirty-pound rod of iron meant to break apart stone. He'd been working with his hands since he was a teen and could rival any man in grip strength and stamina. Right now, in this situation, he was glad. His hands wouldn't falter. The skeleton locked its eyes on the door and screamed, ''Out of my way! I am hungry!'' He gritted his teeth. i hungry. I'm dead. Trish! They charged one another. The Skesson for a meal, and the human for the safety of his family. Two rusted blades pinged off the dull iron as Trish burst from the cellar, gun in hand. Dennis rammed into the monster, pinning it to the wall with his bar before kicking the blades from its hands. Trish leveled the shocker at the Skesson's bloody, leering face. A blast rang out. The danger was gone. Dennis hefted the iron bar onto his shoulder. You got the kids, she nodded. Go up. We'll talk later. Dennis left and Trish returned to the cellar. Danny looked up from poking his sister. Daddy's back. Trish sat down again, soreness beginning to set in on her back and body. Well, honey, he was, but he's still got some more work to do. Oh, okay. Overtime? Yes, Danny. More overtime. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.